Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. The day is January 30th, 2020. The time, I better tell you the time because we've got a developing story on our hands that may change by the time you hear this. The time is 6.17 p.m. Eastern. I don't know if that's daylight or, or standard. I don't know what we're in, but it's 6.17 p.m. Eastern. And the news has just broken this afternoon, like just after the, uh, the market closed. The notification came up on my phone. It said, WWE management transition, because I've signed up for the email alerts. And never did I imagine that I would read the news that I read today. It's a dateline, Stanford, Connecticut. WWE today announced that co-presidents George Berrios and Michelle Wilson will depart the company effective immediately and will no longer serve on its board of directors. Frank A. Riddick III, who has served as a member of WWE's board of directors for more than 11 years, has been named Interim Chief Financial Officer, reporting to WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. WWE has commenced the search for both a permanent Chief Financial Officer and Chief Revenue Officer. Those are the two previous titles that Barrios and Wilson had before they were elevated to co-presidents. The press release goes on. W remains well-positioned to continue its growth and operate effectively against its strategic priorities, including content creation and distribution, digitization, localization, and key markets around the world. The company expects its full year 2019 adjusted OIBA to be approximately $180 million. So that's a key point. That's a W's profit metric of choice. $180 million. We'll, we'll talk about why that's important later. The press release continues. Quote, I would like to thank George and Michelle for their 10 plus years of service and contributions to the organization, said McMahon. I'm grateful for all that was accomplished during their tenure, but the board and I decided a change was necessary as we have different views on how best to achieve our strategic priorities moving forward. We have a deep team of talented, experienced, and committed executives across the organization, and the board and I have great confidence in our collective abilities to create compelling content engage our global fan base across platforms, increase revenues, and drive shareholder value. Uh, from here, it goes into a, a quick biography for Frank Riddick III. And Frank Riddick III it was, is, a, is a name that I've seen quite a bit. Just uh, I know he's a member of the board of directors. He's not somebody who, uh, as far as I know, has ever been a W employee up to this point. But it's a name I see a lot when WB sends out its stock awards because you know, every member of the board of directors gets a periodic stock bonus. Uh, and the, and the press release says this. Um, Riddick previously served as CEO for Flowworks International LLC, JMC Steel Group, Formica Corporation, and Triangle Pacific Corp. And president slash CEO of Armstrong World Industries, Inc. He has also served in executive management positions, including chief financial officer, controller, treasurer, and vice president, president of mergers and acquisitions. During a career that spans 40 years, Riddick also served as a compensation committee chairman and member of the audit committee as part of WWE's board of directors. So that's who Frank Riddick is. I imagine we'll be hearing his voice then on the uh, WWE earnings conference call, which comes up next Thursday, February 6th, which I'll probably do a podcast for. And I'll be actually appearing with a post wrestling uh, that day in the afternoon to talk about whatever we learn, which is now this, this earnings report on Thursday to come, uh, even more interesting than it already was. So what else we know at this point, my, my computer, I've got two monitors here. I've just got a flood of information in front of me. The, the WrestleNomics Twitter account is, is blowing up, maybe like it never has before. Uh, we also have a Variety article here with byline by Joe Otterson. And the headline is, W co-presidents forced out in management shakeup, which summarizes the press release. And uh, The Wrap has an article from Tony Maglio, 
George Berrios and Michelle Wilson out as W co-presidents and board members. So that's what we know here. And, uh, so I want to talk about the, uh, the adjusted weed a bit too, before we go much further. That is a piece of news that W is saying that it's, uh, yeah, let's get the quote here. The company expects its full year 2019 adjusted OIDA to be approximately 80, 180 million. If we go back to the latest quarterly report, the earnings press release, if I find that here on the W corporate website, originally at one point W had been projecting $200 million in adjusted OIDA earlier in 2019. Then, uh, this most recent, the third quarter report, they adjusted that down to somewhere between 180 and 190, and now here they are with this press release today saying that that's going to be on the bottom end of that range. So apparently profit metrics fell short of where they had expected them to be at the beginning of the year. They adjusted the profit metric down, and now it's going to end up on the bottom of the range that they had uh, adjusted it down from. Now I want to read the the point from the last quarterly earnings report, or the last uh, earnings release. This is still going to be a uh, an all-time record, according to the release, of 180 to 190 million, but but, but why was the uh, the profit projection changed? This is what the press release says. Uh, again, this is from this would be from October, right? Is that when this is dated? I think so. Yeah, October 31st. So this, this was the same day as uh, obviously Halloween and the Crown Jewel event. So the press release says this about the change in the profit outlook. The change is attributable to the delay in completing a previously contemplated agreement in the MENA region, that is the Middle East North Africa region, and the impact of accelerated investments to support content creation. Uh, while the company continues to work toward the completion of a MENA agreement, no assurances have been given in this regard. The company expects to have clarity on this point in advance of providing guidance for 2020. So what does all that mean? The MENA agreement I believe refers to a TV deal with a, a broadcast company called MBC, which is a broadcast company that uh, broadcasts W content throughout the Middle East and North Africa. And that company is owned by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. That is the Saudi Arabian government, the same uh, entity that they uh, have, have a 10-year deal with to do the two enormous live events, media events in Saudi Arabia, which everyone knows uh, very well about probably who's listening to the show. So does any of that have anything to do with the firing of, of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson? I don't know, but it is possible that uh, maybe the, the deal wasn't completed on time still up to this point, And maybe that's been disappointing to WB, you know, as far as reasons, uh, I, I don't know, but I think we should think about other international deals that have happened recently. The WB UK TV deal where WB moved from Sky Sports to BT Sport. Uh, I haven't heard anything to contradict what I have heard about how uh, W's TV deal in the UK was actually a, a, a lateral movement or maybe even a step down in terms of economic value to WB. Uh, WB's deal in India with Sony 6 has expired. Uh, Raw still broadcasts on Sony 6 despite the fact that December 31st, which is the day that the deal was to expire, despite the, the fact that that date has passed. You know, I, I've read some stock analyses that uh, really expected that deal to increase, maybe double, and no news on what the deal is with that deal. That is WB's number three deal, maybe number two, and you know, UK and India are their number two and number three, maybe interchangeable. Uh, U- India may end up being the number two deal for WB at this point. Uh, UK may be sliding down to number three. So outside of their enormous US TV deals, those are the two big ones. So how is the stock market reacting to this? Let's see. We go to W. Just type into your Google machine, WB space NYSC. 
and we get, why don't I refresh this because I already have it on my, my computer here. After I was trading, the stock price is down to $48 as of 620. So there's, there's some after hours tr- trading that could go up in the morning. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the price closed at $62.30 and it's down almost 23% right now. Um, what does that mean? Are investors scared because I mean, for me, for somebody who's been, you know, been the WrestleNomics guy following all the WWE corporate news, all the investor news, uh, George Berrios, as, as any WrestleNomics listener knows, is, has been our guy who, uh, has always been the, um, the corporate and financial and business side and WrestleNomics side face of, of WWE. He's the one who's always doing a, a number of, um, conference talks. He had just done one a couple of weeks ago with Laura Martin of Needham and had done one before that with Jason Bazinet of Citigroup. And, uh, I listened studiously, of course, to both of those. And, uh, now George Barrios is gone. And, uh, I, I, I suppose, and, and of course, Michelle Wilson is gone now as well. And I, I suppose that just creates a lot of uncertainty for, uh, for investors. And the line that I know about the stock market is you don't want uncertainty. So who knows what the next leadership will be like and, uh, how that may or may not change WWE. Barrios and Wilson, by the way, because we have a proxy statement, uh, W just like any publicly traded company has to put out something every year called a proxy statement. They lasted their proxy statement in March. And uh, so we'll get another one in a few months. But the last proxy statement that they put out, it has information here about uh, about the, the five top executives. And the five top executives are Vince McMahon, George Berrios, Michelle Wilson, Paul Levesque, and Kevin Dunn. Um, Stephanie McMahon, not a top executive, at least not the top five. You know, she's the chief brand officer. I don't want to make it sound like she has a minimal role in WWE. But, uh, yeah, and, and Shane McMahon is not a, a corporate executive. He is just a, a family member who is a performer. But, uh, anyway, there's information here about what, what would it cost WWE to, uh, to fire the, any, any one of these top executives for something that they call here involuntary, not for cause termination. There's also another thing in here called constructive termination following change in control. So I'm guessing this is not the latter. This is not a change in control. It's not as if the, uh, there was a change in control from Vince McMahon to someone else or that the board of directors appointed a new, CEO of this company. So I won't get into these details that I don't really understand, but it sounds like they'll be walking away with a nice severance package to include uh, salary, possibly bonus, stock units, and continuation of health, accident, and life insurance. Uh, I've, I posted the screenshots from the proxy on the WrestleNomics Twitter. So if there's anybody who's really smart about uh, reading pro- proxy statements and understanding uh, what, this, uh, what this severance table is all about, feel free to reach out to me. But it does sound like just from a, a glance at this table, like they're walking away with as much as something like eight, eight and a half million dollars each. So let's talk a little bit about how, who are George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. You know, George Barrios has been with the company since March of 2008, almost 12 years. Michelle Wilson, she was brought on in, according to her LinkedIn, February, no, no, February 2009. So she had been with the company just about 11 years. Before coming to WWE, she worked as the chief marketing officer for the U.S. Tennis Association. Before that, she was the vice president of integrated marketing for the XFL, for that, that short stint of the XFL in 2001. The, before that, director of sales and marketing for the NBA and senior brand manager for Kraft slash Nabisco. Uh, Barrios, according to his LinkedIn, he is uh, currently a, a national board member for Make-A-Wish, uh, a board member for Tout. And uh, but before that, uh, I think it's more like his full-time job. He worked for the New York Times Company as vice president and treasurer and C- CFO. Had a short stint at a company called Net Silicon as president and COO. And before that, he spent six years at 
Prax Air, and before that he was a finance manager for HBO, going back to the early 90s. So I think George Berrios and Michelle Wilson will be okay, certainly will be okay financially. Uh, we know because of SEC filings, they've been making a lot of money for, for the last several years. Um, they were awarded kindly in, in a number of years when the W Network was, was really getting going and reaching toward its peak. Of course, it's in decline now somewhat, but um, I'm sure they'll be okay and they'll uh, they'll find new jobs uh, elsewhere in, in the world. I'm sure there's uh, media companies that would be glad to have them. So I have here to help me field questions, Kate Carney. Hello. On, on this, this sad day. Dave, where uh, George Barros and Michelle Wilson have been terminated. Um, I, I expect people are going to ask, um, what are they going to do next? And I just want uh, them to know if they're listening that Russellnomics could use a new co host. Oh, is that me? Am I the new no. Russellnomics oh, co host? No. Oh, oh, no, no. I meant, I meant George Barros <laughs> and Michelle Wilson. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not good enough at math to have anything to do with WrestleNomics. Okay. So, so I put out some some tweets asking for questions because mm-hmm. the, the WrestleNomics account is is uh, overflowed with with tweets and gifts and smart comments. So, if you, if you will go through the questions and I will try to answer them. How would you like them chronological order? Yeah, just go through them. Okay. You know. So the very first question that came in from Anthony. Reads, what are the stock ramifications going to look like? Well, the stock is down. I just I just did like 13 minutes of stuff. And the stock is down about 20%. I don't know. I think it'll... Uh, it could jump back up tomorrow. But I but like I, I kind of said a minute ago, I think there's... um For the investor, for the average investor, for the, for the analysts who probably, you know, do a lot of advising and really drive the price, the... The people who, the, the people, especially Berrios, who they heard do the conference calls and who heard, they heard do the conference talks, he was really the one who, uh, defined the vision of WWE to everyone. And he's gone now. And behind him was, was Michelle Wilson in, in that, uh, in terms of that. She's gone now too. So it's really, maybe it, 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 it could be a really different WWE. So it could be, um, you know, it depends on what they're, what they report on the 6th. Um, if, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a great report on the sixth. I've, I've just spent uh, a month going through WWE stuff and trying to estimate what what Q4 was going to look like, and I see a lot of stuff being down. Um, I they already projected that W Network subscribers are going to be down ten percent. Uh, I think total attendance is going to be down to like a million and a half, down from like two million. Um, I, I expect live events is going to be not profitable again. I expect. Merchandise sales are going to be down again, so I don't think it's going to be a great report. Um, you know, video views will be okay, but it, it sounds like they're going to they're going to fall short of what their profit goal was originally. They said so in this press release that they put out today, which may be the biggest thing that is driving the, the stock price going down in after hours trading right now. And I'd be curious too if they're going to meet their one billion dollars in revenue, which they talked about earlier in the year, which has kind of quietly gone away lately. And so, sort of what I've, what I already said a few minutes ago too is I, I think we'll, we will learn or will, will there'll be a lack of learning anything about the MENA agreement, the Middle East North Africa agreement with the Saudi government. Uh, the, there may or may not be anything learned about the India deal, which the, the, the previous deal has now expired. So whatever we, uh, learn about, about those, 
those deals or whatever is left unsaid about them uh, could keep the stock price maybe down under under $50, which is, is down now, I think like $48 right now. All right. Another question we have is, is there potential of Barrios and or Wilson simply being transferred in some high executive level positions for the XFL via Alpha Entertainment? I would be surprised, but although Michelle Wilson did work for the XFL in 2001, hmm. I was just going over the LinkedIn accounts before you joined us here, but, um, no, it's the, the, uh, the press release does not make it sound like they're doing anything Vince McMahon related for the foreseeable future. It sounds like they were fired and it's interesting that they were both fired at the same time. You know, I think Lavi said this on, on Twitter as well, but like, it's interesting that, uh, it's not just one of them, but both of them. I mean, it's conceivable that. You know, one was was going to be fired, and the other decided to go with the other, or something. I don't know. But may I ask my own question? You can. Yeah. Who will be doing the conference call? Right. Do may- we think? I, I think it'll be Frank Frank A. Riddick the third, who is a member of the board of directors, who's now become the interim CFO. So I, that, that that would be my guess. I mean, Vince Vince will, is always there, but Vince just does like a, an opening statement. He goes over some highlights. And then George does most of the talking, and George takes most of the questions. But yeah, I, I, I guess I think Frank will do a lot of the talking, and uh, I, I, I imagine this is going to have to handle a lot of the questions in the Q&A. And they should be interesting questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our uh, next question, which I think you already mostly covered in your first answer, is please discuss the drop in fan engagement, the status of the licensing deal with India, and the TV deal in the UK. No, I, I mean the the drop in fan engagement. I think is because of a, a lack of creating stars, the absence of John Cena, uh, the execution of the product itself hasn't been very good. At the same time, unrelated to maybe Cena being being gone, like I think that's a separate thing. Yeah, the the Roman Reigns has become a big star for them. They still got Brock Lesnar, but I was I was just studying some of this today. Uh, trying to look at things like Google searches to get some hint of like, has the star power been replaced since John Cena has left, uh, has stopped being a full-time wrestler. And, you know, there's nobody who's in his territory for Google web searches. The underscore real underscore CH3 says, they are now forecasting OEPDA of approximately 180 million, which is the bottom end of guidance. What do you think are the odds of a miss on Thursday? I think it's now January 30th. They're going to report on the 6th. If they're saying it's 180 now, I'm guessing they know it's going to be 180. Like I'm sure that there's a lot that has to be counted after. So so they're reporting for Q4, right? And then they'll give the full year as well. So but but Q4 includes whatever business they did from um October 1st to December 31st. And I'm sure you know a lot of you know, a, a month has to go by before they can really do the accounting on that. But I can't imagine uh, that they would say 180 and and it and for it to be far off of that, just uh, you know, seven days away here. Uh, here's a question I find interesting from Canonite: Did they both cash in their shares? I don't really understand uh, how that works. The proxy statement says something about their vested stock units. They're going to walk away. It looks like each with over eight million dollars. Uh, unless somebody can explain how I'm misreading that in the proxy statement. So, the, yeah, I, I sort of just went over it. But the proxy statement has a section in it where it says, Here, of our top five officers, which they are both included, 
uh, to fire them involuntarily, this is what their, their severance is. So I think their, their severance includes the stockiness that they held. Barrios and Wilson held a lot of stock. And it's interesting to maybe bring up that, um, you know, Wilson made a big sale, I think, in 2019. Barrios sold a lot as well. I, I kind of looked over that and, and, and looked at the, the previous patterns prior to that of, of stock sales by major executives like Barrios and Wilson. It didn't seem that, uh, abnormal, although it was probably a good time to sell. Um, that leads well into a question from Brian Moran, who says, Prior to this, what was the biggest gutting of high-level WWE execs in a single day? I wouldn't know. We'd have to get, call uh, Christopher Harrington about that. He would. <laughs> he's been following uh, stuff like that longer than I have. But uh, you know, I've, I've been following this since 2015, and I've never heard anything like this. There was a lot of turnover uh, related to the W Network. There were a lot of what we call network czars that were put in place, people to sort of take control of the network and to, and to supervise it or whatever. And, uh, and they went through a lot of different names, like Lisa Lee Fox and Lou Schwartz, Perkins Miller, I think. And so there was a lot of turnover there, but that was all in succession, not, not succession, the HBO series, which is, <laughs> which is excellent. But there was a lot of succession, a lot of turnover there. And, uh, the latest was that, latest that we know was that, uh, some combination of Vince and or Michelle and or George were running the W network, uh, since then. But yeah, I've never seen anything like this before. These are the, the number two, number three uh, executives in WWE gone in one day. Firing like this would happen on Succession, <laughs> the HBO series. <laughs> oh, fuck off! <laughs> Jason says, any idea what the VKM strategic vision is compared to Wilson and Barrios? Yeah, I, I, I saw that. That's a good question. I can't imagine, like, what is, what is their difference in strategic vision? This is what the press release said, that they had different visions, and uh, I, I don't know what the differences in visions would be it's not something that i've ever i've never you know ended a day of w conference call talk and quarterly report stuff and been like you know what i wonder if vince and you know george slash slash michelle have have a different vision of uh, of what they should do with the business um i guess the stuff that we hear from vince is a lot less detailed as far as vision the, the most of the vision stuff that i've ever heard i guess has been from from Barrios and wilson what you get from Vince is, here's the highlights of our business, here's uh, how great it is, and we're going to do well. It's sort of a sales pitch, almost to the point where I wondered if, like, what, what what's Vince doing these days? Like, just really, really focusing on creative and writing the TV and, and sort of just, like, leaving uh, the more nuts and bolts stuff to, to other people like Wilson and Berrios? And maybe, I don't know. Alrighty. From Carl, please do the podcast. You are. My question is, all we've been hearing is how WWE is financially set due to these billion-dollar TV deals. So what is going on here exactly? Are they losing money in other areas at a higher rate than the money that they earn from TV? No, there's still going to be... I mean, regardless, there are other areas of business could just about not make any money at all at this point, I think. And they would still be breaking their financial records, still be breaking their profit records for a long, long time to come because the TV deals are just so big. Um, I think that the thing is, though, they made these huge deals, the biggest deals in the history of pro wrestling, but that was 2018. And, and I know they just went into effect this past fall, but, uh, you know, they've got business to deal with now and, uh, and, and things are not looking great. So maybe they were scapegoats for this. My next question from My Name is Mike. 
I have to lead by asking, what is the WrestleNomics policy on swearing? <laughs> um, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network is not giving us any guidance on that at this time, so I don't know if I can get into that level of granularity. Okay, so I'm just going to read as written then. Oh, oh, you're asking me that question. Yes. Oh, no, you can swear. It's fine. We, okay. We've we sworn on occasion, in moderation, with good reason. Well, this is an excellently written tweet, so... <laughs> This sounds like I'm being facetious, but I am 100% serious. What the fuck is going on? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It, it'll be interesting if we ever really learn what, what's what's behind this. You know, I don't see uh, any of the three people who are really involved ever talking about it anytime soon. But you never know. Maybe it'll be a, a Vice article someday like there was about um, the Shane McMahon story and how Shane tried to devise a, a takeover of creative with um, a million little pieces guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then our final response is not a question, but a comment mm -hmm. from our friend William. Uh -huh. Never has a person breezed through Buffalo legendarily nightmarish traffic so effectively to get to his recording setup. That is the power of wrestling economics. Has he been uh, surveilling me for the last couple hours? It seems so. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Okay, so then the next question uh, from our buddy Jarka. Is this related to Vince McMahon working more on XFL and less on WWE since we're about one week away from launch season and Vince wanting executives that can do more in his absence? I doubt it. I would be surprised um, if anything... I don't know. If anything, I would imagine Vince would want to, uh, you know, give more power to people who are gonna gonna sort of take his place and take over for him. You know. Um, the next question is from Scott, which I think is going to be good to just wrap up all of these XFL questions. Does this have any impact on the XFL? <laughs> I don't think so, unless uh, unless they were expressing concerns about uh, WWE's. Uh, providing of services, certain support services and intellectual property to uh, to Alpha Entertainment slash XFL, but that would be surprising. But but there is a, there is the story about the Oklahoma Firefighters and uh, Retirement and Pension Fund that uh, they want all these records because they're, they seem suspicious that uh, WWE is not charging Alpha Entertainment, the Tickman's company that's, that he's using to run the XFL, is not charging Alpha Entertainment a fair market value for the services and for the intellectual property that they've that they've given uh, Alpha Entertainment. But no. I mean, I, I would be surprised. That'd be an interesting thing to hear the answer to. Um, Alan wants to know how long could this have been in the works for? I'd have expected them to try and release this news at a weekend if they could. Yeah, I think this is something that just blew up relatively quickly. Um Barrios was just doing conference talks a week or two ago. Um, you know, they, they put out the, uh, the, the advisory about the, uh, the earnings release in the conference call. And, uh, I, I think it had Barrios' name in it. I can't see why, why it wouldn't have. It always does. You don't do something like this quickly unless you really want to or have to and effective immediately. They're gone. You know, if, if this was something that was you know, in development, you say, okay, they're going to be transitioning out here in a, in a gradual pace, not something that's, you know, at risk to do what it's doing right now in aftermarket trading to W stock. Um, based on that response, Nate's question, did you do this with your industry report? Well, you never know. You, you can, uh, everyone can read the industry report for $5 right now. If they go to payhip.com and, uh, 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe Vince was a. Uh, I, I don't have a, a vmac at gmail.com who's bought it, though. I do see everybody's email addresses. So, But who knows? Maybe somebody passed it along to him. But no, I would be, I'd be very. He's not going to buy it himself. He's going to send somebody. You know, There's gonna... a gopher for that. Well, that's what Howard Finkel's for, you know. Um, similarly, but a little bit more detailed from Mike, you talked about the short term projections for WWE's financial state in your report available on Pay. It's from Mike Spears. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that some of their revenue streams are about to fall through, which led to this firing? Yeah, I, th- I think their their performance and their, their financial results and the financial results that they were probably putting together right now to report next Thursday had something to do with this. Yeah, I think it. They, uh, like I said, the, uh, the the downward trends in, in so many of their metrics, not including their fi- their overall finances, not including their core content fees for Raw and SmackDown, just about every other line of business that they have is is you know in the negative uh, in terms of trends over the last few years. And I think that has something to do with this. All right. Eric wants to know, is Vince now the highest compensated person at WWE? I know previously George and Michelle were each making nearly double he was. Yeah. Well, when it comes to compensation in WWE, um, it depends on what you mean by compensation. Compensation as SEC describes it. Yeah, Vince doesn't make as much as the other major officers in, in the company, but Vince has so much stock. Um, w pays a dividend, which it just paid today, in fact. It pays a 12-cent dividend per share each quarter. And Vince owns something like 30 million shares of stock, so he gets, I, well, when I've done the math in the past, he gets something like 16, I don't know, he's, he sold a number of shares over the last few years, especially to fund Elf Entertainment, but uh, Vince gets something like $16 million a year just from quarterly dividends. And besides, he, he pays himself like a million or a couple million dollars in salary. Um, so yeah, in terms of that, you know, in terms of who's walking away from from WWE with the most money each year, Vince is. But uh, in terms of salary, others, including Wilson in the past and Barrios in the past and Kevin Dunn, have uh, made a, a bigger salary than Vince McMahon. Maybe even Paul Beck. I don't know. I'd have to check on that. Um, in regards to this difference in strategic visions. Nicholas de Leon wants to know, what do you think could be the different strategic visions for WWE that Vince mentions right now? Isn't the strategy basically produce as much content as possible for the highest fees possible. Hence the Saudi shows and three hour raws, etc. Yeah. Like, like I said, there's been similar questions here. I, I don't know. I can't imagine what their differences in vision would be. Um, this question from Savon. What kind of message do you think this will send to the USA Network and Fox? How will they see this? I don't think it's a huge deal to them. It's probably something that gets on their radar, but I don't. I don't think it's it's a huge deal as long as W continues to to produce, you know, Raw and SmackDown to to the average fan. This is not even on their radar. It's not something that's going to be apparent to the average viewer, right? Nobody knows who George Wilson, George Wilson, Michelle Barrios. <laughs> no one knows who Michelle Wilson and George Barrios are as far as the average fan. And it's not going to change anything really about their programming. Barrios and Wilson weren't involved with the production of the programming itself. It's not like they were on the creative team or they were deeply involved in the TV production. They were very much people who were involved in, in business deals. And well, you saying Fox aren't average fans though. They're, their business partner. Well, what I'm saying is that, that the content isn't going to really change. I mean, the, the one thing I, I could see is maybe an argument saying, hey, look, Michelle Wilson was the chief marketing officer and she was really involved in uh, helping WWE attract blue chip sponsors and, and sponsors that were more valuable than the kinds of sponsors that they had before. You know, uh, 
the difference between you know Old Spice and uh, TurboTax or whatever, and 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 Stridex. Uh, so, but, but I think it's true that WWE has done a lot to improve its image with sponsors and with business partners, and it's helped them get better business deals and better advertisements. Um, and maybe uh, they won't be as strong in that way without Wilson, maybe Barrios. But I don't. Again, I don't see it as a as a huge difference. From JDM, they didn't handle the NXT Japan attempt at expansion and failure, did they? Is this due to the network sub rating plateauing and the indie events Triple H consolidating power? Question. No. Th- 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 so there was talk that um, I heard Meltzer say it this morning that uh, W tried to buy Noah. Noah has just recently been acquired by a company called Cyber Agent, which is also the parent company of DDT Pro Wrestling. Um, so WWE has been looking for a, a, a partner in Japan akin to their to what they've done with the UK with Progress, uh, but they haven't found one yet. Big Japan seems to be the biggest player that's that's left on the table. Um, I don't think whatever happened today, uh, I don't think whatever was going on in Japan is big enough to, to be the main factor in whatever happened today or to be a big piece of whatever happened today. If I had known I would be asking these questions before I walked in and sat on the couch, I would have opened with this next question from Ben. What were the major ways they changed the company during their tenure, for better or worse? That's a good question. Again, I think it's something that Mookie would be really good at uh, at answering because he was covering this, so, you know, was looking at the stuff around the time that those who joined the company. And the, uh, I think what I've seen from Barrios is you know, he's somebody who... Barrios tells this story often about how, and then maybe this is this is a Vince thing, clearly, but but Vince uh, had a meeting with them one day and said, you know, this is, you know, I don't know, early in, in Barrios' time, which starts in 2008 or 2009, and, uh, you know, there's this thing, you know, social media out there that's emerging, and we need to go out there and, and grab more than our fair share. It's a land grab. We have to get more than our fair share of it. And, um, I, th- and I think Barrios uh, went a long way to... Uh, you know, I, I always got the impression that he was somebody who's, who was definitely not a pro wrestling person. He's, he's not somebody who ever worked in pro wrestling before, as far as we can tell. He, you know, he worked for the New York Times. He worked for Praxair. He worked for HBO. Um, he showed himself as somebody who's not really well versed in the history of, of, you know, of wrestling at times. Although there were times where I was impressed that he seemed to have learned more. But uh, you know, he made certain comments like Ricky the, the Steamboat Dragon. Things like that, but um, I mean, there are a lot of names to learn. There, there are, yes. <laughs> but um, I think he was somebody who re- who really helped WWE, you know, go go forward with its with a, with a new media vision, with not just being a Viacom company that wanted to stay in an old me- old media world, or even you know, the W Network at one point was supposed to be a traditional TV channel, and uh, it is in Canada. That's right. It's part of uh, it's part of the Rogers thing in Canada, and um, you know, WB under under different leadership could be a, a a company that's still on traditional pay per view, which in some ways would be good for them, but could be a company that's you know afraid of, of YouTube and a, and a lot of people who um who comment comments about WB's business and, and and look at it, especially wrestling oriented people, less so financial people uh criticize WWE for doing so much on on youtube and things like that that it's taking the there's an argument out there that youtube and whatnot is cannibalizing WWE's viewership uh but i i think that 
you have to go to where the young people are. Otherwise, right, I, I would think that they're tapping a new market, a different market, yeah, than they would on traditional cable. Yeah, and I, and I think if they don't go there, they're going to end up uh, with an even older audience someday than they already have if they don't go to where the, the young eyeballs are. You know, but but yeah, I think I think Barrios had a a a good forward vision about how to use new media. Um, another question that I would have put right in the beginning had I prepared from Canaanite. So just for clarification, were they fired or are they leaving? It sounds like they were fired. Yeah. Effect, uh, terms like effective immediately and differences in, in the vision and then saying he appreciates the time there, but he's got to, you know, it was time to, to have a change in management. Do you like think if they like both stormed in and were like, that's it, we're out, cash out our stocks, there wouldn't have been like a, I appreciated working with them? There wasn't, I appreciated working with them. I know, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You don't think they would have included things like that if, if they had left hostily all of a sudden? Yeah, I think they would just because they're a publicly traded company. This isn't, if this was a private company, maybe, but I mean, if it was a private company, you wouldn't, mm-hmm. this one, there wouldn't be a press release anyway. So there's no way to know for sure at and this time. To know what for sure. Who in who instigated this this parting of ways? The press release certainly leads me to believe that it was Vince's choice. This one's interesting. From Graham, prior to today, what was the reputation of these execs in entertainment? Uh, is finding replacements going to be viewed as difficult or a chance to get stronger leadership? I have no idea what what the perception of Barrios and Wilson are outside of WWE in terms of in, in the business community. No it's idea. It's hard to know. It, I have no idea. I, I expect they're going to have not a lot of trouble finding nice jobs after this. I, I would think WWE is a more attractive place to work than it was when they were hired uh, about ten years ago. Um, just in the sense that uh, WWE is a stronger fi- stronger company financially. It's a company that's now doing a. a what, what, what at least was a couple of years ago an exciting uh, subscription video service. It's a company that's got enormous TV rights deals. It's, it's, a, it's got SmackDown on, on Fox broadcast. Um, so I think it's a, to at least some pers- you know, perspective uh, applicants, it's a, it's, an, it's a more exciting company probably to work for than it was in 2008 or 2009. So I, I don't think, you know, I, I strongly expect they're going to hire two more people who, who don't really have any experience in the wrestling business, but have experience, strong experience in the media business. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll find somebody with a, a strong background in that. One, was Barrios investing in the UK wrestling market despite the many risks to investor funds being a factor? No, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think the UK is a, is a in, the, in the grand scheme of, of W's overall financial picture, I don't think whatever they're doing in the UK is a huge risk. It's, it's something that, uh, they're doing to, to take over the world and to control as much talent as they can and keep as much talent as they can away from their potential competitors. But, uh, you know, whatever's going on with progress and maybe ICW, I don't think plays a big role in, uh, whatever happened today. Was the current failure of the performance center to train in-house wrestlers to reduce overhead costs a factor? Probably not. Although, um, it is arguable now, right? That Sorry, did you not see Bianca Belair in the Rumble? Yeah, well, th- 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 that's fair. Um, <laughs> but this is something that you know, we need to sit down and uh, go through talent and say, okay, let's have a reassessment of who who do we consider an indie talent? Who do we consider a, a performance center product? And you That know, is a WrestleNomics graph that I would help with. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and Mookie's done things so much of that in years prior, but it's been a while. And uh, it, it really is after the last year or two, um, it's time to consider, you know, okay, 
foreign setters had uh, since July 2013 to to develop into something that's really worth it. And uh, is it worth it now? I think uh, you know. I think the this is way off topic, but I think the the vision that Paul Levesque walked into the Performance Center with has changed quite a bit, and it changed quite a bit after the first couple of years to become what it is now. And uh, you know, would would uh, if there was no Performance Center a couple of years ago, would they would they build one now? I don't know. I, I think there is a value in uh, having a a state of the art, world class facility that attracts athletes. You know, you know, big successful athletes, rather than saying, "Hey, we're going to throw you into a, a warehouse in Louisville." or Georgia or something like that. Um, well, and it's likely also attractive to indie stars. It, it, it helps, but the, those are the people who need to be sold on at the least, you know, because they want to live their dream of being WWE. Were losses in the U.S. market from competitors a factor? I don't know. You'd have to ask Vince. Um, is, is, uh, is, I, I think what we can kind of address that with is like, is what's happening with certain metrics, uh, in in large part because of other wrestling companies, I think uh, that's a small piece of it, but that's not the 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 biggest piece. I think the biggest piece is you've lost stars, or you've lost Cena at least, and you haven't done a lot to replace that space. And you've also executed a product that is not satisfying a lot of people, or it's satisfied people less than it used to, and that has consequences. With their safety shields now gone, where does this leave? Hunter and Stephanie's positions in the company. I have no idea, but I, I I don't think this this hurts them. Safety shields. I think um if anything they're I mean they're they're family. They're not going anywhere. Um, they're not going anywhere. It doesn't hurt them. Do they become more powerful? Maybe, maybe because they're the longest tenured uh, executives are gone, other than themselves. So maybe. Are investors panicking about XFL given the failure of the AAF last year? No, they are not. Um. Because the XFL is not a WWE property, although there's, as, as, as mentioned, there's some issues with that, and the Oklahoma Firefighters Pension and Retirement Fund is weary to this. But no, the, um, if if the XFL totally bombs, it doesn't have any effect on WWE's finances. Maybe it inspires some lack of confidence in the CEO, who, who's also the CEO of, of WWE. But no, that would be new. Uh, William's final question. <clears throat> Is Bingo Night canceled? Bingo Night is canceled. Are you familiar with Barrios Bingo? Should I be? You should be familiar with I'm Barrios so sorry, Bingo. I'm not. Barrios Bingo was an exciting game that was invented a number of years ago. And it, it, it included bingo squares like uh, Long Tail and, uh, God, what else? Granularity. So, so Barrios, I, I, I always suspected that. Um, so I, basically I made a bingo card. And I took all of these buzz phrases and all, all this corporate jargon that he would use, and I would like put it on a, on a on on each square. The middle square, of course, would be a free trial to the W Network. And, and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh huh. And uh, it, at, the, at the top, you'd have two you know matching faces of, of George Barrios at the top, and B I N G O. So you would listen to a George Barrios talk, or you'd listen to a conference call, and uh, and, and you would you would you know mark the bingo squares, and if you got you know, all the way across, you get you you win bingo, and uh, but I quit doing Barrios Bingo in the last few years because I I, I must speculate along with all the other speculation I've, I've I've been doing in the last half hour or so, almost exclusively. <laughs> I must speculate that uh, someone in W headquarters in Titan Tower 
got a hold of the bingo card. Sure. And it made the rounds in, in, in the, in the upper levels of, of the corporate headquarters. And this, this, uh, this shamed Barrios into using more normal language. Mm. But, but no, really, he stopped using, he didn't use as much jargon as he, as he had had at one point. It might be an interesting study to pull out a Barrios bingo card for the next conference call and see if whoever leads that call uses any of his phrases. No, they won't because I, I, there's, there's such, there's such anomalies. It's not like it's, it's stuff that's in anybody's, even, even the most corporate sycophant, I don't think is going to come up with some of the, some of the weird language that he used. Let's see if I can find it because my computer has crashed uh, over the last couple of years. I don't, I don't think I have it on this computer anymore, but if you search, Twitter for Barrios Bingo and go to the photos tab. What do we get? There we go. What do we got here? Social media monetization. That could be said by anyone. Yeah. New geographies. Yeah. Same. Churn. You know what Excellent churn? ice cream place you, you know on what, Hurdle you know what, and Buffalo. Do you know what churn means? It's how you make ice cream. Yeah, but do you know what, 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 what does Barrios mean when he's talking about churn? He's not talking about ice cream. I mean, if he's not talking about ice cream, it's offensive. He's talking about cancellations of subscriptions. That, that's used throughout the media industry, I think, churn. Yeah. So, like, they use that in Netflix, too. Sure. 100% ownership, I remember using it. Multi-generational viewing. That means, you know what that means? That means, like... Kids that watch with their parents. Yeah. People who are indoctrinated into wrestling. Right. Refusal to go into detail, which is not a phrase, but... But, but an action. Yeah. I guarantee you that will happen on the next conference call. Yes, yes. Compelling content. Scooby-Doo. I'm sorry, what? De minimis. Like, and the mystery machine? Yeah, uh, W Studios did something with Scooby Doo. Oh, all right. Um, de minimis, which is just his way of saying not much at all. Um, is that Latin? Be part of the con. Yeah, I think it is Latin. Be part of the conversation on social media. Right. We're more trending. Pop- we're more popular than NBA on YouTube. Lumpy. So l- lumpy, <laughs> lumpiness, lumpiness in, in in Barrios Bingo means we have this W network and. Uh, it's gonna peak in the middle of the year and it's gonna go down. But don't, don't worry. It's, it's lumpiness because, you know, we, we start out the year doing well and then we do really well around WrestleMania time and then we go down. You know, there's gonna be lumpiness in, in the trends of this subscription service. I feel like maybe he should have used the word cyclical. Get free November. That's the free space. India is the future. That didn't age well. Well, well, India is probably gonna be their number two, uh, TV rights and just in terms of their current current TV deal. Yeah. Flintstones. It's, it's for, vitamins? Yeah, no, that's another Hanna-Barbera thing that they did at WCU. Okay. Um, but no, India, um, they, they see how well they're doing on YouTube probably in India. I mean, yeah. think about the, you know, the Kavita Devi video, for, sure. just, just for an example. Um, but they see India because it's, it's this country with 2 billion people. A lot of people. Um. They see their, their international markets. You know, they've, they've got about 70% of their video engagement is from international markets and 30% of it is in the U.S. But, but 70% of their revenue comes from the U.S. and only 30% comes from the, uh, the international markets. So they, they see a future where, at least this is what Barrios always said and said even most, in his most recent talk, they see a future where those numbers sort of come together and they make way more money internationally. And that has a lot to do with the expectation that's, you know, uh, economies in emerging countries like India. Brazil, maybe China, if they can uh, get past the censors. Uh, yeah. Granularity. Do you know what the word granularity means? I mean, likeness to granules. 
I'm not going to go into that level of granularity. Oh, boy. Okay. So it's the same as like four other squares on this of not going into detail? Got yeah, it. It's just a creative way to not answer a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kager, compound annual growth rate. It's like a, uh, a a trend that goes over many years. Okay. Uh, refusal to make a prediction. Uh, 100 million broadband WE homes. There was this... Um, Oh George, there there was this uh this slide when when the network was originally getting launched that uh, they they believed that they could get the W network to be subscribed in by three to four million users people accounts because they because they said that look over the entire world there's a hundred homes that have both a W fan in it a hundred million hundred million what did I say a hundred <laughs> well they're, they're getting there a hundred million. Broadband homes that have a W fan, so so you have the broadband capability, and you're a W fan. But they only got to capture three or four percent of that, right? I mean, the math checks out, right? But uh, moral of that story was that looked like a very bad survey. They were and, wrong, and and uh, the W network as it stands now has about a million and a half paid subscribers. That's half of the prediction. Yeah, social media touch points, 159 million W affinity homes. So, about 59 more million that don't have broadband. 4 billion YouTube views. That's This is quite old now. They did a... I think they, they do... They're going to do about 9 million YouTube... They did 9 million YouTube views. Nine, excuse me. Billion. Billion with a B in 2019. Roll yeah, out. they've got that Naomi clip now. Right. The gun, that went real viral. Naomi means big big business. Why, why didn't Naomi go, go viral? What happened? Well, so she... Her appearance at the Royal Rumble has been gaining a lot of attraction outside of the wrestling internet. Why? Hmm? Why? Because representation is important because people of color are seeing her hair. Partly because she wears natural hair and bright colors and and just did a lot of things that seemed to to speak to people that were not already wrestling fans and But it's not as if she debuted. She's she's been on TV for years. Mm-hmm. It was her return. It was her return. Um, I, there must have just been something that was more gifable about it. Oh. I wouldn't be surprised if if her hairstyle was a factor, but yeah. she went like non-wrestling internet viral. Okay. Short form content, and last and perhaps most meaningfully least, as we as we end the WWE career of George Barrios, mm-hmm. adjusted Oida. <sighs> so. Remember Tout. I do remember Tout. That's it. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it. Just you know, remember that. He's a, he's a chairman of the board on Tout still. Or chairman. He's a member of the board. I'm sorry. Tout. It's still a company with a board? It's still on his LinkedIn. He's, it's still through present. On oh, LinkedIn, so. George Berrios. Is WWE still through present? Yeah. He Maybe he, he just hasn't, hasn't updated his LinkedIn That's since possible. Tout. No, because he's updated it. He's, uh, he's marked as the co-president, which he's only been for a year or something like that. You need to, like, set an alert and tweet when their LinkedIn's update. Yeah. Um, okay. Should I do a, a preview? I've been working on this PowerPoint for the last few days. PowerPoint? Um, yeah. Let's see here. Will it move around? I was thinking maybe I should, could go through uh, what to expect for, uh, for the Q4 report. Will that be cannibalizing your Q4 podcast episode? No, because this is a preview. Please acknowledge my use of the term cannibalizing. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) 
Okay, what, what we can expect to learn in the Q4 report on, on February 6th, uh, we'll learn something about the overall metrics uh, I, I had here. Did, did WME, it's adjusted to protection, protection, projection for the full year 2019. Um, it looks like it's going to fall short of that, or at least on the low end of the range that it expected. It, it being WB, 100 180 million. Still will be a record. Still, I'll be interested to see what the net, uh, net income actually is. I think Morgan Stanley predicted 93 million, something like that. Uh, they made 99.6 million last year in net income. I don't, I'm not an accountant, so I don't really want to try to explain what all these profit metrics mean, but I prefer to go with net income because we have the longest history going back, uh, with the metric net income. We have net income going back, I think, all the way to 95 or 94. So, so net income I expect to be slightly down from the prior year. Adjusted WIBDA basically just allows them to take out certain things that they don't want to include. Uh, it's not a, uh, it's not what they call a gap measure, a generally accepted accounting practice measure, but it's the, the profit metric that they prefer that, that excludes, I don't know, lawsuit fees and certain other fees. You can, you yeah, can, let's you, exclude those. Not a, you can look, you can look it up. It's, they explain what it is and it's, yeah, whatever. Uh, revenue. I think the big question is: Did did they surpass a hundred billion dollars in uh, in revenue? Uh, just just in light of the direction of news uh, today, that makes me even more so think than I already did that they're going to fall just short of a hundred billion. Still, probably going to be record revenue. Uh, last year, nine hundred and thirty point two million dollars in in revenue. I, I I expect more than that, less than a billion though. Um. And we'll learn something about the 2020 outlook in terms of those overall financial metrics, probably still adjusted OEBDA and, and revenue, which I expect they'll, I expect they'll project more than a billion dollars in revenue and, uh, adjusted OEBDA of more than 200. Um, kind of like I said earlier, we should see if we're going to learn anything about the India TV deal, the MENA TV deal. Um, I, th- I think somebody uh, in, in the uh, the analyst uh, Q and A should be should be asking about that if it's not explained in the in the opening comments. Uh, I would be interested to know too, and would like to see somebody ask about whether or not the UK TV deal with BT Sport was a lateral movement, a downward movement, or an upward movement in comparison to the previous deal with Sky. Um, here's the, the the big the big news though: NXT now on the USA Network. Where, what revenue line is NXT going to be reported in? Is it going to be, it's going to be somewhere in the media division. We know that for sure because it's certainly media. It's definitely not live events and it's definitely not consumer products. Those are the three big, big groups. Media, live events, consumer products. Where is it previously? Well, NXT hasn't been on, uh, it's been on the W network. And it, so, so now NXT is on the USA network. So the question is, how much money is WWE getting for putting NXT on the USA network? And, uh, I, I think they have a line called core content rights fees, which, Includes only fees related to Raw and SmackDown. I'm guessing just by the by by virtue of what that line is named, I don't think NXT goes into core content. I think they're going to put it in the other category, which is where they they include reporting of TV money related to reality TV shows like Ms. and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Total Divas, Total Bellas, uh, Mixed Match Challenge money has gone in there. And you know what else has gone in there? Saudi Arabia. Saudi blood money. You got it. So, but the but but the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Blood Money is going to be in the other media segment again because on Halloween there was Crown Jewel featuring your favorite Lacey Evans against Natalia in the first ever WWE. Saudi, I Saudi do Reaper love Natalia. So, so I expect uh, NXT to be reported in the other line, the other media line, but also about fifty million dollars worth of of Saudi money in the other media line. So, so how easy will it be to extrapolate? 
that NXT mount? Perfect question. Thank you. So, so we're, we're, I'm going to look at when I when I sit down with the numbers, I'm probably going to look at the previous reporting reporting in previous categories for the other media segment. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to assume I expect around fifty million dollars of that based on previous patterns to be to be towards uh, Crown Jewel, and then take a few million out uh, because of reality TV, W Studios, and then the rest of that because the full quarter of Q4 had NXT on the USA Network and should be able to get a, maybe get some insight about how much money W is getting uh, for NXT on the USA Network. Uh, Meltzer's reported an average annual value, NXT, $30 million over two, two years. So $30 million in, in over both years, $60 million total. I think Guggenheim, which is a financial firm, financial analysis firm, reported at $1.60 million per year. Um, I've heard some people even speculate that they're not getting any money for this. Uh, Barrios, when he worked for WWE, was talking about how um, what they're doing with, with with NXT as far as why they took it off the network and put it on to pay TV was that they're you know they're trying to make a third brand here that that could someday turn out to be something that's super valuable, that more so in the direction of Raw and SmackDown. So, so there's that. Um, we'll learn about KSA money. I'm gonna check the account. Accounts receivable line this time to see if Saudi Arabia has paid WWE the money uh, related to uh, to Crown Jewel, as as uh, WrestleMania fans will remember, and that there was a um, a comment by Barrios and a and a big number in the uh, about sixty million dollars worth of, of money in the accounts receivable line that is usually not there because for whatever reason the General Sports Authority was late on payment. So we'll see. I remember that yeah. happening, which may or may not had something to do with the, the big uh, transportation delay in Riyadh following Crown Jewel. Uh, we'll get a W Network subscriber update. W is already uh, expecting a 10% decline year over year compared to the previous year's Q4. So that would, would put uh, paid subs average across the quarter at 1.43 million. Do they... They're usually pretty accurate on that, yeah. Do they offer an explanation as to why they're seeing a decline in subs when services like Netflix are still increasing? Yeah, that, that's the argument that I've made. Uh, Netflix is still increasing. Um, they will... Um, sometimes they're asked questions and sometimes they get, you know, they give, they give answers or sort of beat around whatever answer they, they want to give. And um, But in, in the quarterly report, uh, they break down each segment and there'll be sometimes there'll be sentences in there that will give a brief explanation about uh quarterly or annual differences um yeah but usually that that's related to finance finances and less so what we'll probably say is you know the w network made less revenue i don't know if it'll end up making less revenue i think it will though because it was, it was down just about every quarter it'll, it'll probably say something like the w network made less revenue in this year versus last year because of a decrease in subscribers it's not going to get into like a more why was there a decrease in subscribers? Granularity is what you want there. So, oh boy. Um, people are buying the 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 WrestleNomics full year 2019 report, industry report analysis, whatever I called it. They're buying it right now. I can see the the notifications going off on my phone. People are buying it right now. So uh, you you can get that if you look at the pin. I was like, oh, they heard you plug it on the podcast. No, we're, we we're not- recording right now that has not been edited or released. No, we're not live. But if, <laughs> but if you go to the pin tweets on either my Twitter, Brandon Thurston, or, or the WrestleNomics Twitter at WrestleNomics, you'll see you'll see the uh, the link there. Um, 
Any update on whether the premium tier will be when the premium tier will be introduced, what the price point will be? Um, I doubt it at this point, considering that there's a big shakeup in uh, in the top tier of, of management. Right, they're busy. Yeah, uh, NXT was was probably the network's most popular weekly program, almost certainly. What's WWE going to do to replace that value? Are they going to replace it with another brand? Are they going to replace it with some other new content? It would be nice if they had an answer. I don't expect a strong answer to that, though. Um, Southpaw Regional Wrestling. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The answer to everything. Yeah. Uh, so if domestic and international subs have declined, which it appears that they have, mm-hmm. what does the company attribute that to? These are these are questions that I would like to see asked and, and answered. Um, How do you get on that phone call? I would have to be a, 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 a big financial analyst who covers W stock. Are you not? <laughs> not for a financial firm, no. Okay. Yeah. When, when we open a WrestleNomics Holdings, then then maybe. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Can so, you submit your questions to the people that ask the questions? No, no. There there was uh, one occasion where um, I, maybe there was on conference calls in the past, but there was a, a conference talk where Mookie got a question through. It was a few, quite a few years ago now. Good for um, him. But again, if if a uh, domestic and international subs have declined, which they have. How do, how do they explain that? Is, the, is this because of what George Berry was called a generational transition, which I read as code for star creation, just waiting for the, the new stars to catch on? Which, like, if, if that's a big proponent to the problems in WB and what's going on, uh, I mean, those are, those are Vince McMahon issues, not uh, Wilson Berrios issues. But anyway. On to the next division, live events. Big questions here. Was Q4 profitable for, for WB in its live events division? Uh, I estimated about a $4 million loss. So every quarter, except for the WrestleMania quarter for the last, for the last almost year and a half, I think has, has been a, a, a not profitable, uh, an unprofitable quarter for live events. Um, Meltzer wrote in the observer that just, uh, was published uh, today that W is running a lot fewer house shows, uh, based on the schedule that's out there. So, it, so which, which I think, uh, in, in some ways, is a good thing. It, it's probably resulting in in wrestlers not getting paid as much because they're not getting the fees because they're independent contractors, not getting the fees related to uh, to the extra shows, the the, the shows that they're they're that they're not working now. But um, but also maybe getting injured less. Yeah, with a slightly lighter schedule. Right. Um, North American average attendance. I estimate it's going to be uh, forty seven hundred. That will be down year over year from five thousand. Total wide worldwide attendance, which I mentioned earlier, I, I estimate it's going to be a million and a half, down from almost two million prior year. International attendance, I'm estimating, is going to be three hundred twenty thousand, down year over year from four hundred thousand. Question I want to hear asked: If these estimates are somewhat accurate, the ones that I just made there, sure. and if, if that turns out to be what they report mm-hmm. next Thursday, then what's the strategy on live events? Uh, Vince McMahon uh, said the division would be reimagined uh, last year. Uh, what, what, what does that mean? Has, has, has it been reimagined? Uh, so I guess there are fewer house shows being run. What's the explanation behind that? Or, or should, should investors just say, you know what? WWE is this big media company now. What really drives this company, what really makes it money is, is the media side of it. It's, it's the TV rights fees. It's the W network. And should we just say, you know what? Live events are, are just the loss leader that we have to have to, to run media events, which is what really makes us our money. I, I don't think that that's a, Unreasonable explanation. Plenty um, of industries have lost leaders. It's just, it's just right. a thing. And then maybe you start to report. Uh, at, at one point, this company reported live 
live events and, and TV as one one category, one division. Maybe you you roll those together at some point in the future. Maybe we see entirely new revenue lines on Thursday. Who knows? Consumer products, the third and final division of WWE. Uh, venue merchandise likely be down because attendance is down. Uh, I'm estimating that's going to be down by a couple million in year of year comparisons. E-commerce, their online merchandise sales. Uh, Q4 is usually the strongest quarter, probably because of the holidays. It's always the strongest quarter for WWE Shop and for whatever other retailers they have, including Amazon. I estimate it's going to be about $30 million, which would be down from about 35 the prior year. Product licensing, what everybody wants to know in this category, I'm sure, is, is about what's the reaction to WB2K and all the glitches. What do you, do you know something about W2K and I what, mean, what, what generally with it? negative reaction have you from put, the people that played it? You have not played it though. God, no. And neither have I. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so maybe, maybe sales of, of the video game would be down. I, that, I, I have no, I no idea if that's going to be something that's significant to their business and to, the, to this report here, but, but it's something that I'll, I'll, I'll watch for. I'll, I'll let you know if it's there. Um, I estimate the product licensing is going to be about the same. Um, and then we got, of course, the, the digital metrics that don't make a ton of money, but they like to uh, they like to celebrate them because they are the metrics that are going to be up. Uh, Barrios said at Needham that uh, there's, I think he said, a certain number of billion of a billion views, which is going to end up Avod views are going to be up. But how many of those views are are actually being monetized? I think that's something that should be asked on on the call. Um, is that like? When you're scrolling through Twitter, and then there's like a video from WWE thing, but then an ad plays before, so you don't watch it. Is that that? Yeah, yeah. So I'd be curious to know if they would give any color about, um, or maybe even ranking which which platforms are giving them the most favorable monetization rates. Like, is is Facebook uh, ad revenue even something that's happening? Is Twitter ad revenue even something that's happening? Certainly it is with YouTube. Laura Martin from Needham uh, estimated uh, in, the, in the conference that she just did with Berrios that uh, they made $20 million in YouTube on YouTube. Um, Instagram, I doubt, is something that's being monetized yet. But they're, but they're going to count this on their chart that they're going to publish and then show that they're increasing in AVOD views. So, so my, my, point, my point is you're, you've got more AVOD views. Uh, you're trending upward in AVOD views. But is the money that you're making trending upward? So what is the quality of the monetization per view? And is it improved? Social media followers, again, this is something that uh, you, you sort of, you include the newer platforms in here and the number continues to go up. Facebook and Twitter haven't continued to grow. I, I doubt you're going to see more growth reported for Q4, maybe 1% or 2% for each of those. And then they have this lump of other platforms, which includes Instagram and Snapchat. Tout. 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 You and Daniel Bryan love tout. And um, so you'll see that number continue to grow. Yeah. So that's all I have for for now. I think. Um, How can people yeah. see oh. this PowerPoint if they want to study up before? They, they, you probably can't. Okay. You're, never mind. <laughs> you'd have to subscribe to my Patreon. Alarm. That doesn't doesn't exist. Uh, but but you can <laughs> but you can uh, purchase the WrestleNomics Pro Wrestling Industry Report for the full year of 2019, which is a 48-page PDF, over 9,000 words, over 70 charts. It is uh, substantial. It is substantial. Uh, The first half of it is nothing but key metrics across categories like television viewership, live events. Got attendance in there for all the major companies. This this is uh, got data and insights and opinions even for 
WWE, All Elite Wrestling, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and even a little bit for Impact Wrestling. Um, yeah. Television viewership, live event attendance. What else? What else is in there? Uh, I've, I've got um, subscription video for both WWE Network and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Got some New Japan World subscriber numbers in there. Uh, Google search metrics, YouTube views, social media followers. I'm doing this all from memory. Um, critical reception for uh, sources like the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and Cage Match and a, ta- a count of talent and a- an estimate of how many wrestlers does WWE use for 10 matches or more in this year versus prior years. It's trending upward. Um, and then I've got a number of analysis and opinion pieces, including looking at how W is its audience is decreasing, but its financial picture is improving. Uh, w did a lot to improve SmackDown and, and, and how that really helps their business. Um, uh, maybe the most interesting question uh, facing pro wrestling in the last year and going forward, what's the effect of all elite wrestling on W in the wider industry? Uh, the decline of Ring of Honor, the rise of New Japan, drug policies, independent contractor and employee issues, Vince McMahon's effect on, on the business as, as head of creative, all that. I think that's that's the bulk of it. All that and maybe more. If you go to the pinned tweet that's uh, at Brad and Thurston or at WrestleMonics, you can go and pay it. Get that for $5 and you'll learn a lot about the wrestling industry. And thank you to the writers of all of the tweet questions that I asked today. Yeah, thank you for your questions. Uh, I'll probably do another podcast, maybe, next Thursday, but I'll definitely be appearing with Post Wrestling with John Pollock and Wei Ting on Post Wrestling on Thursday afternoon following the WWE Investor Earnings Report and Conference Call. You can listen to us talk about all of that, talk about the firing of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, and whatever else we learn on Thursday. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.